Yeah, with that. <laughs> I was turning happy off the fan hour. for <laughs> happy, happy hour. This is my last day of freedom for a little while. Oh, that's right. Uh, big, big news, big week. Big working. On this, uh, well, we're recording on a Thursday in yeah. this edition of Homebound Happy Hour. Welcome, everyone. It is episode 22. Episode 22. Our podcast last week turned 21. Yep. Got annihilated off Long Island iced teas. Yeah. The podcast, not us. We yes. were fine. We chilled. Um, yeah. So I don't really want to, I don't want to like go into like my big news or anything, but there is some stuff coming up that I'll mention in the next couple of yeah. weeks. Yeah. Um, you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I just don't. Whatever. But uh, I am working this whole weekend. So this was like our our last day to do this for the week. We wanted to. Do a themed podcast today. Yes. So, um, you're probably aware or have been following um, just different types of information on online, on the uh, social medias, and every once in a while something uh, kind of gets a, a little out of hand. Like People think that there are perpetrators of um, I don't know secrecy and things, and mm-hmm. so we thought it'd be interesting to talk about conspiracy theories this yeah, week. Some we each chose some that we yes. wanted to discuss. Which we will. Uh, we so will. we're not going to be doing like the whole like you know masks give you cancer and all that shit. Like we're not even going to talk about. Oh shit! Oh, well, I might have to <laughs> change. We um. But yeah, like, I mean, even if, I don't know which which one you decided on, but um, it's not necessarily going to be COVID related, basically. No, yeah, so I'm we're saying. just, these are just... Stuff that we found yeah, for ourselves to talk about. Yeah, something interesting, yeah. So, yeah, yeah um, I think, it, honestly, like, it was because I was looking at, um, at why there are people that believe that mask you know the the whole there, there's all kinds of yeah covid19 conspiracy theories like out there vaccination conspiracies and yeah stuff. and so i was researching that and i was like you know it'd be it would be fun to just kind of go into a conspiracy that we didn't know that i didn't i picked something that i had never really heard about mm-hmm. before and and uh i'm interested in that but anyway so what um What's been happening in the world this week, other than the the usual hellscape of that we're dealing with? Yeah. Um, well, to make matters totally worse, we just found out uh, this week that the tattoo shop that we oh, both go yeah. to is closing um, probably forever, though that wasn't totally made clear online. But anyway, they closed up. So, um, basically I've been getting all of my work done there for the last like six years, I think. Mm -hmm. And then Andy, any tattoo he has Mm -hmm. is from there. Like even his first one ever was done in that shop. So it is, you know, it is obviously sad for us to say goodbye to those amazing artists, 
um, but also they're friends of ours. Mm -hmm. So it's for me, like, you know, I've been chatting with my artist a lot this past week. And um, so I want to do another cheers to say farewell to Dan O and Leslie of Night Owl Gallery Tattoo. We're really going to miss you guys. Um, And... Honestly, like, my body art is going <laughs> to look so different if I have to go to somebody else. Well, now we have a permanent reminder um, of them, always. Oh, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I've been tattooed by both of them. That's one thing that I hear tattoos are good for. Yeah, so I got, I have, um... I mean, not that it, that it's about them, or that <laughs> right. they're about, you know. You're right. Um, <laughs> I have, like, a trail of hearts that Dano did years ago before we were even buddies and then Leslie did pretty much all of my other visible Mm -hmm. like everything on my arms except for one thing she did except for two two little ones um she's done a million cover-ups for me that's how we got started Mm -hmm. was she did a cover-up on my back for me and I've been going to her ever since um also I used to work with her at a restaurant like way before she started tattooing and we didn't figure out who each other were until oh. I had known her for a while. Yeah, it was like it was like the restaurant next door to my restaurant downtown mm. in like the mid 2000s. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then like we it was the same company like her restaurant and mine were the same owners. So we would just interact like when I was doing inventory for the bars and stuff. So like a KFC Taco Bell? Uh exactly. No, no. It was like like fine dining. <laughs> um oh. Well. But anyway, I did inventory for both restaurants just to, like, get it out of the way for the week. And I would encounter her then because she worked in the back office. I'm not sure what she did then. But it was one of those things, like, for a couple years, we just couldn't put our fingers on it. We're like, we know each other from before this. Because we actually met um, having a drink at a bar that was right by her mm. tattoo shop. And then that's when I started going to her because we became friends from hanging out at that bar. Anyway, sorry, I digress. But um, yeah, we're really going to miss you guys. But Leslie has opened the invitation for us to come visit her in mm, her new digs. Too fun. Yeah, she actually sent me like a video of a hotel today and was like, next time you get a vacation. I was like, oh, it's going to be a while. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be busy coming up. So we know to whom we're drinking. Yeah. With what are we drinking? Uh, so <laughs> I made us something totally different today. It's kind of like boozy horchata. Mm-hmm. So um, I put vanilla extract, cinnamon, and a powdered swerve sweetener, which is like erythritol, basically. Um, and then stirred those up together. Then I added vodka and almond milk basically Mm -hmm. and then i just like did like a splash of heavy cream to give it some texture but yeah it turned out quite tasty it's really rich yeah it's rich it's not um it's drinkable you know it's not like milkshake or uh, you know it tastes like like liquefied rice pudding to me Mm -hmm. it's horchata e yeah but yeah i mean it's good i couldn't decide between vodka and whiskey and i was like what do we have more of yeah. I was like, I'm not wasting the Jameson on something. I was like, it was a long shot if I was going to like it, and I ended up liking it. So, yay. That and I have these quirky little glasses that I wanted to use. Oh, yes. So. They're delightful. They're basically trifle cups. <laughs> but Yeah, I was like, don't, don't they 
Do we get dessert knees? Right, the, yeah. The That's what it reminds casino me Casino where you used to go. Yeah. But yeah, they're like these chunky, you'll see on the Instagram, they're like these chunky trifle cups that I put our boozy horchata in. I guess that's good for now. We'll get our notes together for our conspiracy yes. theories and come right back. Yeah. Um, maybe finish our cocktails while we're gone. Yeah. Yep. Let's buckle up. Cheersies. Buckle in. Buckle in. Buckle. Buckle. Buckle yourself. <laughs> Something. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. Well, I am going to talk about the legend of Ong's hat. How do you spell that? O N G apostrophe. Oh, okay. <laughs> like H A T. Yeah. Um. So yes, O N G apostrophe S hat. Uh, that is a a name of a town. Uh, that is situated in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. So this is roughly like a million acres of dense and vast forest, um, which is kind of home to some other weird stuff that have gone on. So if you've ever heard of like the Jersey Devil and yeah. other things. So there's, there's, there's a documentary weird... that we watched about yeah. the Jersey Devil. Um, and also, oddly enough, there's... Um, Everyone's familiar with the Blair Witch Project. There was a film that actually came out before um, the Blair Witch Project called uh, The Last Broadcast. And it was about this group of, I don't know, um, researchers or, you know, just dudes um, trying to go into this town to talk about the find out information, interview people about the Jersey Devil. And so they go mm. into these woods and then they do like a radio show on it. So it's... Was that um, documentary or fictional? It's a found footage oh, in okay. the style of Blair Witch Project. But point is that it came out before that. And then, you know... But, but Blair it's not Witch real Project, footage. It's like... Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's Got it. found footage style of... Anyway. Heard. So um, a lot of this was... Uh, basically part of a a bigger um you know there there was i guess there's industry going on there so since that's all gone there's a lot of um abandoned buildings and just signs of of decay um but there was evidently a town named ong's hat uh that had zero population just depending on different stories and it was Evidently named after uh, Jake, Jacob Ong, who was a, was a 17th century settler. Um, that pretty famous hat legend. Well, apparently he had a lover's quarrel and threw his hat because he was a very dapper, and uh, that's how he would you know woo the women was his dapper attire. So it was like a silk hat mm. or something like that. So he threw it into a tree. And then, uh, like, it was squash or whatever. Anyway, um, the reports are that there was just, like, one or two buildings to this town. And one of the, the legends even says that um, it was originally called Ong's Hut, but the way that they spelled it. So it was this really interesting thing because sometimes it appears on maps and sometimes it doesn't. I think it hasn't for several years. But uh, what... 
that's become interesting is that about the late 80s or so, there was a, a publication, a pamphlet that started popping up, and it was called Ong's Hat, Gateway to the Dimensions, a full-color brochure for the Institute of Chaos Studies and Moorish Science Ashram. Huh. So, um... This is right up my alley. Basically... Why do I know, not know this story? Uh, the, the story behind that is that uh, Ong's Hat was once home to secret experiments led by uh, two brothers referred to as the Dobbs twins, mm. which kind of sounds like a, you know, electro pop, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Scissor sisters. Yeah. <laughs> the, what are those, the uh, like, uh, dubstep guys? The uh, Anyway, or like indie filmmakers or something like that. Anyway. So they like are chemical brothers? They are reportedly a pair of Princeton scientists who'd been forced to build a secret lab out in the middle of these pine barrens um, because they were booted from Princeton for their uh, chaos studies. Hmm. Um, so they're, they're basically this other person established that science ashram uh, over time scientists spiritual seekers so this kind of melding of science and the occult community wow. had uh sprung up blending meditation physics um alchemy all kinds of things um all kinds of fun stuff and to basically this this sort of cult-like society um so you know they had some infrastructure in terms of like trailers and uh, and you know, recycled chicken coops, stuff like that, just evidence of civilization. Uh, but the experiments became more bizarre and more problematic, and they reportedly uh, produced something that they referred to as the egg, which is a pod that could pierce the veil between parallel universes, basically enabling travel to other dimensions. And so there's a series of incidents that happened uh, in addition to some perhaps government involvement. So there is, there's a nearby, I think it's Fort Dix is a nearby thing. So there are some explosions there and some other things that coincided with that. And basically these, this society um, transported like building by building, piece by piece, the town or what made up this town uh, to a dimension of earth where human life never existed hmm. and so there is just the one the one house or structure um left so but was the hat left behind well there's <laughs> there is funny that you say that uh there if you go back people have gone back recently and if you there's a road called Ong's Hats, Ong's Hat Road, and if you take <laughs> so that road, it goes kind of goes into a trailhead, and at the there's a tree with like a, an Ong's Hat sign on it, and there's like some kind of a hat the or, or fiber or something hat like that. Was flung into. Um, so anyway, I mean that's pretty much in a nutshell the the theory. Now. Here's where it gets interesting. But wait, there's more. But wait, here's the twist. <laughs> uh, so 
this is actually where a person by the name of Joseph Matheny comes in. So Joseph Matheny is a video game developer, um, designer in the early 90s. And long story short, so um, this Ong's hat is known as possibly one of the first, if not the first, uh, internet-based conspiracy theories that circulated. Slenderman. So, exactly. Oh, I should have um, talked about Slenderman today. Slenderman. Bill Slenderman. <laughs> uh, Chuck, Chuck Pable. Slenderman. Chuck Slenderman, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Joseph Matheny uh, lives in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, and so, he basically as a quote-unquote experiment or really just a way... To fuck with people created all this so he wrote a lot of this lore and legend and what people had found basically created the story and planted it in the seed of the early internet community like message Wait, boards the, Do- the doobie brothers from princeton weren't real read the doobie brothers <laughs> <laughs> right right so he he basically came up with some of these these seeds and planted them and created these um, these things that he put into, and it just kind of grew and exploded. And so, basically, what that led to is that there are people that staunchly believe that this is these are actual events that transpired. <laughs> and it got so bad, it got to the point to where he had to basically put out a bulletin to all the conspiracy theory and say, "Like <laughs> y'all, I made this shit up." <laughs> it's over, yeah. But then, even after that. Um, because the article that I was researching, um, early 2000s, he still gets people like trespassing on his property, uh, wanting to know the truth or wanting Mm, to know that they don't believe his account of all that. Um, so uh, a couple of the, the more interesting things, uh, that he created. So there was that pamphlet that came out, the, uh, you know, the guide to the dimension or whatever it was called. Um, oh, I hope we can get our hands on one of those. But then there's also uh, something that they put out uh, called the Incanabula that came out in 1990. And what this is, is it's a catalog of supposedly uh, texts and resources for this sort of science, metaphysical, interdimensional travel. Some of the things were made up like you can't trace them but some things are actually um works that other people have written um so it's really interesting because it's kind of like the you know the necronomicon sort of thing where there's actual references actual things but other things you're just things that he made up um Santa so, Cruz. Oh, I was trying to think the mystery spot. That's in Santa Cruz. Yeah. As you can see, this kind of all led to uh, numerous uh, rabbit holes. I mean, again, that they, uh, he even went, uh, went on to write accounts from survivors from oh, the, wow. from the community. Um, there was some of the things that happened. There was like a, a reported plutonium spill in the area that military uh, installation 
Um, so that first thing, yeah, that Institute of Chaos Studies brochure came out in 1988 uh, in a magazine. Um, and it was written uh, by, reportedly written by someone named Peter Lamborn Wilson. Um, so he created this character, um, Matheny did, he created this character and himself participated in these like forums and bulletin boards and put out stuff under this investigator of the Wilson fellow to kill, to keep um, perpetuating the seed of what happened. So they, um, he started realizing that a lot of this stuff that would just sort of catch on like wildfire, you just put post something in the comments. And so it was because of that, that things sort of led to uh, not just more, um, I guess more investment in the conspiracy, the online conspiracy theory spread, but also, you know, it was linked to some of these other things that people um, became aware of because of the internet in the same way, like Slenderman and like mm -hmm. um, QAnon and all that. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, let's see, in the 90s, he published uh, like a, an accumulation of, of the lore of all of this and all the legends, everything that, that was pretty much like the last straw because after that, it just, he said it got too, too nuts. And so mm. he just pulled the plug and that's when he made that announcement to the community, like I'm fucking with everybody. Um, but even then he didn't stop completely. He still like didn't directly answer questions about mm. it and sort of kept the, kept that doubt in there so that people would still get, um, would still get kept the marketability right. uh, but then you see stop once it, it got out of hand um, so it's also credited with um, with being the seed of these alternate reality games um, so where there's sort of community base you put things out there and people even knowing that they're that it's fictional like they go on these quests and try to find all this information um, that's something I know nothing about. Yeah, it's it's very similar to, I mean, actually, you know, you could argue that Pokemon Go is kind of a a, a sort of offspring of that. I almost did a, a conspiracy theory about Pokemon Go. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I cut it at the last minute and decided to do the one I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's about how the government is controlling us through the images that they get from that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's real. There's, like, proof of it. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, that, that's <laughs> And the Harry Potter one, too. That was developed off of another... I don't remember what it was, but there's another game that came out before that. It's, so it's basically a grid, like the entire planet, and they put these markers on this grid, but that infrastructure is what they use to build Pokemon Go off of. Uh, but I, I didn't wasn't aware of that conspiracy theory. They're watching us. Um, Big Brother. So anyway, like that's. What if we both like went nuts after this? <laughs> we're like we like get our tinfoil hats and like start chalkboarding the wall. That would be fantastic. <laughs>
Oh, so that's just the slowly start to regress, and our our like listeners are like, "What's going on?" There's uh, so there's plenty of uh, further information if this is interesting to you um, that you could definitely many wormholes that you could follow uh, to go down there. So there's um, there's publications like you know Weird New Jersey that feature like this and. And all that, and like I said, it, it is an actual place, kind of. But, um, but they're one building, and they're tree with a sign yeah, that says it's there just was when a you hat go here. And, and you find just like what he intended, just to mess with people. It's like people found conflicting accounts of what happened, and people who wrote things saying, "Oh, it was a thriving community. It was like the you know, it was a social center of New Jersey for a while, and mysteriously vanished, and all this other." All this other kind of stuff. So anyway, that is the story of Ong's hat. I like that because you actually got to debunk it by the end. Well, and that wasn't my intention. I I came across this that I actually hadn't heard about. Uh, so I studied it and then I I found out that it was this whole, you know, um, creation basically put out there intentionally so anyway the more you know yeah no I mean it just shows how like uh, manipulative that things on the internet can be mm-hmm. because this guy invented it from scratch and was like fooled you well yeah and especially when you implant um, you know, resources. People are like, oh, well, what's that? There are no resources, there are no sources on that. But when you create those and plant those, uh, that's how these things sort of get um, get their footing and and take over. And you have people getting very invested in uh, in in all of that. So, so that's that. That is that. We'll take a little break and well, then yeah, we'll come back break. with uh, with your fascinating tale. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Back? Back. Back again. Um, all right. I guess it's my turn to go on our conspiracy theory-based podcast today. On another journey. Another journey. This one's going to be kind of all over the place. So I'm just telling you in advance, I will be toggling between a couple screens um, to get the kind of best information for you that I could find. Um, Today, I decided to talk to you about some conspiracy theories involving the novel Catcher in the Rye, which... uh, It's not a baseball book. It's not a baseball book. That's first um, for Yeah, first order <laughs> business, not about baseball. Um, all right, so written by one of my favorite authors, J.D. Salinger. Um, he's a very controversial author as um, in, his, in his writing, some things are covered, like he's got a short story about a pedophile. Um, Things like that. So basically, he's not for the faint of heart, but he's also like really easy to read because he doesn't use a lot of million dollar words to confuse you. He's very like um, extremely intelligent, but like, you know, relatable. 
in the way that he writes. And it's not like all the reflection of, you know, whatever. <laughs> he's very, he's, like I said, he's easy to read. Um, the man himself is really interesting, um, though not not without conspiracy about his own self. Um, so I just, I guess, wanted to start off with some fun facts about not just the book, but about J.D. Salinger himself. So, um, first of all, something you may not know about Catcher in the Rye is that it was originally published um, or meant to be published as a short story. So chapters three through seven were that short story. um, And it was called... Hang on. It was called The Boy in the People Shooting Hat. I could see how they arrived at the other title. Catcher in the Rye? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so that's another fun fact about it is that the um, publisher was like, why are you going to call it Catcher in the Rye? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But he does say that actual phrase at one point in the book. The titular line. Yeah, the titular line indeed. (laughs) so originally it was going to be, yeah, so that, that the boy in the people shooting hat. So I guess we're a hat podcast today. Hmm. Um, that, so he wrote that. The hat conspiracy. Allegedly. Um, when he was in Berlin serving in World War II. Um, that also led to uh, basically like theorized that he had some pretty bad PTSD. Because he checked himself into a mental institution post-war to get help with his issues surrounding the war. So mm. probably PTSD, most likely. Right. But, you know, again, not diagnosed. It didn't exist back then. So in the, in the, for that reason, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for that reason, this book is thought to be pretty autobiographical, which is another fun fact about it or a fun theory about it. Is that they're saying that, you know, maybe perhaps J.D. Salinger is who the main character, Holden Caulfield, is based on. Um, one, one of the potential publishers that eventually rejected the book said, this kid is disturbed after he read it. Um, so he thought that from what he got from the book was that Holden Caulfield was mentally disturbed and needed to be institutionalized. Um, That's not untrue, as Holden Caulfield does kind of explain that, you know, he was in, like, an institution for a while after the death of his brother. And that, another fun fact, was a prequel to Catcher in the Rye. Um, Salinger wrote a story about um, Holden dealing with the death of his older brother. Hmm. Um, Again, why they think that perhaps J.D. Salinger wrote this autobiographically. Right. Um, So J.D. Salinger originally had a black and white photograph on the back of The Catcher in the Rye's first two printings, and he forced the publishers to remove it. Like, he just, like, didn't like looking at it. He was a very private man. Um, You know, obviously, as later on, he became a hermit Mm -hmm. and... There's a whole bunch about that, which we're not even getting into today because there's so much just about the book itself other than the man. Um, but he took, he made them take the, the photograph of him off of the book jacket, 
which um, for me is like I'm going to be on the lookout for a book with his picture now because mm. that'll mean it's like an early printing and that would be a big oh, yeah. deal to have for me as he's one of my, like I said, my favorite authors. Um, so this, uh, let's see. Oh, well, first of all, like it was unanimously praised when it was released and, um, like just critics all over the place were like, this is genius, you know? And, um, there were a handful that said, uh, not for children to read and then called, right. But (laughs) you know, 10th graders read this shit. Oh yeah. But it's like. Okay, there's more about that. (laughs) Um, So they called Holden Caulfield, the character, preposterous, profane, and pathetic beyond belief. That's true. That's pretty true. He's alliterative, too. Yeah, right. It's great. Um, (laughs) He is all of those things. He's like the original fucking edgelord, Holden Caulfield. He thinks he's better than everybody. He calls everybody a phony. And, you know... All he thinks about throughout the whole... I mean, that's, again, something later on that was kind of cited as maybe a reason why this character is like a hero to Mm. some of these more controversial people. Um, So there was also multiple theories about how he came up with the name Holden Caulfield. So they think sometimes Salinger may have gotten it from a shipmate whose name was Holden Bowler. During the war, um, other others believe, and this is my favorite, that he glimpsed the marquee for the movie Dear Ruth, which starred William Holden and Joan Caulfield, mm. and was like, "There it is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> easy peasy." Like he's drinking a cup of coffee in a diner and looks across the street at like a movie theater, and he's like, "Fuck yeah," <laughs> you know, like. Um, my name is Denny Cinemark. uh... (laughs) or like that p-tier griffin oh yeah from family guy um (laughs) Uh, there's another theory that that was actually his nickname um on the ship in the war but holden caulfield holden caulfield was his nickname Oh, just that holden was for some reason but there's there's literally nothing to that um, so another fun fact, and this is the one I'm going to leave you on fun fact wise before we get into the juicier topics. Um, this book made swear words mainstream. Which ones? I don't know. <laughs> um, three years before The Catcher in the Rye was published, Norman Mailer's The Naked and the Dead was published with all instances of fuck rendered as fug. Holden's comparatively prolificate, prolificate, prolificate. I, okay, uh, profanity was a revelation at the time and contributed to the book's eventual status as one of the century's most banned books. Oh, yay! <laughs> so you can't be cool unless people don't want you, your kids, to read it. Right? Yeah, it's the devil's book. Uh, so oh, it also may have popula- popularized the terms "screwed up" and "laughing my ass off." Yay! L-M-A-O. L-M-A-O. So I'm excited about that. Both our stories have... have uh, internet. Uh, yeah, internet-related uh, importance. So there are quite... There are basically like three main conspiracies about this book, um, which m- most people have heard of. The most popular was that it 
could be a sleeper activator for assassins. So like there's certain wording that they read in the book. This has to do with like MK Ultra and all of those conspiracies with the government saying that basically um, they hypnotized and subsequently activated sleeper agents to assassinate people while reading this book. The most famous being Mark David Chapman, who uh, you may or may not know is who killed John Lennon from John the Beatles. Lennon. Mm-hmm. Huh. So um, he got an autograph from John Lennon hours before he shot and killed him in front of his own New York home. Chapman had the book on him that night and was reading it with fervor when the police came to arrest him. Apparently, he identified with the book so much that he wanted to change his name to the main character's name, Holden Caulfield, but he was unable to finalize that paperwork in the few days leading up to this event. Was he also the one that was infatuated with Jodie Foster? No, but I'll get to that. Oh. Yeah, also in the story. Um, So inside the book, um, Mark David Chapman scrawled, Uh, This is my statement. And then, you know, before offering the book to the police. So he didn't change anything. He just signed it like it was an autograph. And it says, this is my statement. Mm. Um, And then so like he also allegedly said, uh, quote, I'm sure the big part of me is Holden Caulfield, who is the main person in the book. The small part of me must be the devil, unquote. Uh, Anyone who knew Chapman personally prior to the murder did not believe he would do something of this sort. Uh, Another copy of the book was also found in the hotel room of Ronald Reagan's almost assassin, John Hinckley Jr. He was obsessed with the book and John John Lennon stating that without Lennon, the world was over. Some say he wanted to commit suicide by being killed by the Secret Service and earn notoriety in the process. By taxi driver actress Jodie Foster. Foster. Okay. Um, actress Rebecca Schaefer, who I had to look up, she wasn't in much, was um, shot and killed out front of her home by Robert John Bardo at her, it was her apartment in Los Angeles in 1989. So she was only 21 years old, Rebecca Schaefer. Oh, she had been in four or five movies, like hardly anything and nothing I'd actually heard of. Um, absolutely beautiful girl. Not that that matters in the story, but. Um, Basically, he stalked her for three years. He also later stalked Madonna. Um, he visited her apartment complex and she turned him down. Like he was soliciting her. And then so he came back later on the same day, knocked on her door and shot her. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the book was in his possession when he killed her, but he tossed it onto the roof of another building a few blocks away. Uh, fingerprints, allegedly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that, oh, and then, so this one's a bit of a reach for me, just in my opinion, but allegedly Lee Harvey Oswald, the man killing for, uh, charged for killing JFK also Mm -hmm. had a connection to this book. They raided his Dallas apartment following the assassination and Catcher in the Rye, along with books like Animal Farm and Hitler's Mein Kampf were also found. Um... So this this one to me is a reach. Just because it's in someone's house doesn't mean they were influenced by it. But again, using the theory that it activates sleeper assassins, 
that would make sense, right? Um, they basically, like, anything to do with this book now has been, like, just sending conspiracy theorists head spinning because it's it's like a Manchurian candidate type of thing. So mm-hmm. um, this is, like, the most well-known theory about this book, which, by the way, like, I have read this book, like, five times, and I've never fucking killed anybody. So, or been that possessed to do, Like... No desire, so... Would we be aware? Yeah, I guess so, I wasn't hypnotized in MK Ultra. I wonder if... So, like, would would they be trained and then not remember their training? Like some Jason Bourne to, shit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So that's a theory with, like, the Manchurian Candidate type of deal, which um, I have heard the term Manchurian Candidate a million times, but I had no idea what it was until I read this, which is the idea... That someone is captured, brainwashed, and turned into an unaware assassin. So um, Lee Harvey Oswald said something strangely close to this while he was being interrogated, which is what makes him, to me, make more sense than just owning the book. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he referred to himself as a patsy, Mm -hmm. which is essentially like a scapegoat or a pawn to take the fall. Um, Also could indicate why he was then killed so swiftly after oh, the yeah. fact. It was was what, like I don't know. Like the next day or something like that. Was or it something, I, I don't it was know. very it was, it was very soon. Would... Um Jack so Ruby. and a little bit more about this. There so that's like the main one, right? Mm-hmm. Like the triggering the assassins. Uh, there's also a theory that the CIA used this book for mind control. And that came to rise after the movie, really, a conspiracy theory, because Mel Gibson, um, Mr. Sugar Tits himself, you oh, know, yeah. that's the thing he said. Uh, anti-Semitic asshole, yeah, Mel Gibson. He's a, he's a supporter of the state of Israel, I hear. Well, I don't know much about that. I just, I no, heard but like he's not. He's like the most anti-Semitic racist Actually, it's funny because the story I almost did, the Hollywood Star Whackers, which is like the Randy Quaid and his wife going um, off the rails, that involved Mel Gibson as well because Randy Quaid claimed that Mel Gibson was framed for all the shit he did, Mm -hmm. which then kind of blacklisted him from Hollywood, sort of, not really. He was nominated for an Oscar a few years after that, whatever. Yeah, he's still still around. He's still around. Yeah. Important films, quote unquote. I mean, if he was a woman or any kind of person of well, color, he, really he would have been blacklisted. Shot, but, yeah. but anyway, the, the so the movie conspiracy theory, like Mel Gibson's character is obsessed with Catcher in the Rye. And um, I'm not going to go much more into that because if you haven't seen it, it would spoil the whole fucking thing. But um, the idea is that the CIA had implanted codes in the Catcher in the Rye that brainwashed the reader to do whatever the government wanted. So it's kind of like a similar theory, but this says that um, leaked documents from the CIA confirmed that during the MK Ultra mind control program, once patients had heard a certain set of numbers or words in a certain order, they would immediately be hypnotized and follow every command they receive. Hmm. Da, 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 da. Well, where would the commands come from the book the text there's another really fun one um that i'm going to try to find while i'm talking about 
like the book uh eh. okay i'll get there um i don't want to jump ahead too much because i'll get all flustered um and then the the final which i think um like out of the three that you know there's that then there's holden caulfield's character being autobiographical um like he writes the character to deal with like trauma loss ptsd etc um and then the final like of the three major conspiracy theories around catcher in the rye are that schools unbanned the novel so it was banned for a long time i mentioned Mm -hmm. to corrupt youth so um this one's debatable because the american library associate Association reported that even in 2009, Catcher in the Rye was one of the most top 10 frequently banned books in schools and school libraries. Uh, so it's like the parents who are complaining about profane language. There's pretty much Whole, like, like no juice to this one. Indoctrination of our kids and all that stuff. Yeah, there's like, there's really like no like uh, confirmation to this theory at all. But let me see if I can find, because I'm going on a little, little bit long here. There is, oh, like dabbling in psychosis and mind control. And then finally, eh, I think if I can find it. There was basically something that said um, that like the words or like highlighted words when read in that order was a totally different book. I don't know where they got the highlighted words or decided which one. It was like every seventh word or something like that. It wasn't that, but it was some bullshit yeah. like that where, you know, but who who has the time Well, yeah, to that's... sit and write a whole book and then be like <laughs> every seventh word is going to spell a demon summon cantation. Like, Well, and the, also the fact that it's like, it's an excellent work of literature. Like it's hard to... It's, highly praised it's, it's hard yeah. to, like okay maybe you could write a a big steaming bag of shit and make every seventh word or whatever but to <laughs> you know to be able to make it a good book right and also it just requires way too much effort i mean it's just you know like we were talking about the whole covid thing the orchestration of every doctor hospital whatever mm-hmm. um you know i mean you could i don't know It'd be interesting if something like the Da Vinci Code, which is already like a conspiracy, <laughs> was also something like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> or like National Treasure. Yeah. Everything. Every. It's, it's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Every third chapter is a bubble, because, you know, the chapters yeah. are like a page long. And right. It's like 900 chapters. In well, it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I haven't <laughs> read Catcher in the Rye in so long, but I did read it a lot. Because I love J.D. Salinger. And that's the thing. Like, I've read, like, Nine Stories, which is a book of nine stories. Um, it's, like, one Clever. of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. Like, it's it's beautifully written. And I just, I hold it so near and dear to my heart. But unfortunately, the first fucking story is about a pedophile. And he's not a hero by any means. They're not trying to right. glamorize it at all. Like, he's definitely, like, the bad guy of the piece. But you see, like, his... I guess it sympathizes with him a little bit, but you know, that's not my favorite story anyways. Pretty Mouth and Green My Eyes is my favorite story. But <laughs> yeah, so like Franny and Zoe, also another great book by him, but you know, I appreciate 
the interest in the conspiracies behind this book. I just don't believe that they're real. It just seems a little far-fetched to me. They had that book in their possession, and therefore they were a sleeper agent mm. for the CIA. It was a popular book. I mean, also, yeah. like you said, Everyone's every 10th grader mm-hmm. <laughs> has read it. Yeah, sorry, I, I went on for... There was, like, so much with this one. It was hard to, like, limit what I was going to say because I found so much on it. Um, and I didn't even go over all of it. Yeah. But, no, no, but that, that raised plenty of interesting things that I was not aware of. And I mean, I could send you more even. I could post oh, links yeah. to more. Email uh, it. Yeah, no, if anybody wants to hear more about this, I'm like happy to send you some more links. Like, yes, we'll post a couple Yeah. Couple links we can, Maybe. I guess. Yeah. yeah. If you want them. Just, we'll see. Just text know. or email us or whatever. Or leave us a voicemail if you want more information on either of our stories or to hear about the Hollywood Star Whackers. Yeah, is interesting. I researched that one too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we will be back shortly. Well, this turned out to be kind of fun this yeah. week. I could do conspiracy theories for the next like three podcasts. I know. <laughs> I found so much shit this week that I didn't use. Maybe we'll, um, I don't know, revisit. Yeah, we could. That's an idea. Yeah. I think the the idea of like doing a theme podcast is fun. Like that's something we could maybe do from now on. So like we have been kind of yeah. moving in that direction. So so maybe we should po- post, be a little more, less whimsical and more um, revealing about the title and the description so that people know what we're, like what our topic is oh, and yeah. then what we're addressing. I, we could still I be like our whimsy, fun and whimsical. Though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that kind of started with Jeremiah when we did like the social media based mm-hmm. day. Yeah. That, like episode like 17 or something. Um, and then, you know, of course with Bailey, we talked about theater. Mm-hmm. We kind of naturally have been doing that. I think. Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. I think it's just hard to keep up our, our original format which is just covering all those topics all those times right I, I can only talk about work so much well, or sports th- which is not even happening although today uh oh baseball baseball is back oh yeah they are uh yeah, having the first games of the shortened major league baseball season people get to go to them uh no uh they're gonna be fanless from what i understand uh, fanless yes uh which i guess is Probably of all sports, like with the exception of like maybe golf, but baseball is probably the most friendly to COVID because you don't really, you don't. It's not like football or basketball where you're you're like on top of people and in in each other's grill the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, yeah, most they're still figuring out the whole thing with football. And my mm-hmm. uh, my former uh, institution, the University of Texas, said today. They're like, oh, our plan is for our home games to be at fifty percent capacity. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's still fifty thousand people in the stadium because there's that's a big stadium. The stadium holds a hundred and like some the first thousand. thing we saw when we flew into Austin. Yeah, from from the plane from space. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, there's really not a gut date. The small one is still really small. No, they don't die anymore. Yeah, nobody's dying. Um. So we only have you, guppies with the exception of our one Tetra pancake. 
so those of new you know, those of you that are new parents that want to uh, you know thinking about pets or first pets for kids uh, but don't want to have to explain what death is uh, I would recommend guppies because yeah. they will never or please come have one of yes. ours um, <laughs> really so many still um, like there's a lot all the girls are in the big tank we mm. already talked about all this yeah I don't want to get back into the good. Anyways, there's no update. No. Um, social media stuff. I just, I was going to go into a whole thing about, um, you know, education, school starting back up, and now teachers are um, some places. So, our locally and statewide schools are not expected to start online. And some counties that have had reasonable numbers, they can start in person but for the most part they're not starting line but people in other areas they're, they're still being pressured by the state like kids need to be in school you, they gotta go back in person in the fall yes. and teachers are understandably very upset well yeah i to mean to the point of protesting in some places uh which in fact there was a uh, an article like an op-ed on usa today from a teacher who was a former Republican and voted for Trump says, oh, now I'm voting for Joe Biden because basically because of all this. So what I was going to get into is just that that's great. I totally support. I agree. Protest is is productive and gets things done, but just sort of doing the math on it. Uh, I've made a point before that your average teacher in this country is going to be a middle-aged white woman, mm-hmm. middle-class, middle-aged white woman. Um, and just personally from my network and what I've seen, a lot of uh, teachers, educators have been, have acknowledged uh, the like the plight of folks affected by systemic oppression in this country, but have been very unsupportive, I think, of the the measures being very quick to say things like, well, rioters and protesters mm-hmm. you know, shouldn't be blah, 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 and mm-hmm. basically kind of shitting on the movement. Right. Uh, at very least not supporting it. Um, but now our... Protesting, protesting or pro-protesting. Right, and understandably so because it's a matter of life and death and and that I totally agree with all that. But I would hope that they could maybe build upon their training and their natural inclinations toward being uh, empathetic and understanding of their students to sort of maybe now see like, oh, my life is in danger Black Lives Matter is advocating for black lives that are in danger. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't be so quick to mm-hmm. be crappy about yeah. about shutting these things down. And someone someone on the Twitters made a good point who's a teacher of special needs students and they said, you know, often oftentimes you're dealing with students with um with behavior issues that will have meltdowns and you know destructive 
uh, tirades in class and she made the point she said we never fault the student for that we never um, you know basically be shitty to them because we know that that's a sign of underlying issues that that's a result of of trauma of the yeah. you know of number of different things but you never blame the student. You never say, "Well, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't right. be. They shouldn't be. They should right, know right, to, right, right. to yeah. behave appropriately." And so, extrapolating that sort of philosophy onto the the bigger picture of things, you know, this is sort of where we are. So, I'm just hoping to sum up that mm-hmm. that educators that haven't been fully on board maybe now have a, a lens through which to look uh, to understand the other um, the other folks that need uh, support. Mm-hmm. One can hope. One can hope. Then one does. I saw um, it was just like a like a retweet or something of of uh, someone saying like you know you you want your children back in schools. Because they need to socialize, but you don't care that it's actually going to kill the teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. And it, I that was yeah. And there was a, a whole misquote, but Dave Dave Grohl put something out. I think. That, oh, I didn't read it, but I heard know, it was good. Yeah. Um, again, Just you haven't know, gotten into it yet. This is I'm not not at all. I was focused um, on my. I was wearing my tinfoil hat this week. Yes. For conspiracy theories. Yeah. Same. Uh, I'm not at all um, against what they're saying and I would totally agree and totally support that um, it's just you know be well, an empath oh yeah no and I am definitely that mm-hmm. uh, somebody somebody in my life sent me an article about that like um, are you empathic or like was like I think you are and I was like oh no I totally am because <laughs> like, uh, I looked it up just to like make sure that I was mm-hmm. up on my lingo and I was like oh no that's me for sure like I have been my whole life. Well, um, my my then resolution is to write the great American novel that's going to be a trigger for empathy. So like we were <laughs> discussing before, every seventh word is going to be a trigger for like, oh yes, Black Lives Do Matter. Yeah, and then it'll end with like Namaste. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, since we're on like a happy note, we wanted to recognize a couple more friends. I know we had already yes. cheers to Leslie and Dano earlier for moving on from the tattoo shop. Uh, but so four days from now, which will be July 27th. From the recording, yes. From the recording. And you listen to this, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows when the fuck we'll publish it. But uh, July 27th is a year to the day that our friends Jason and Michael got married. Um, we were both in the wedding. It was a blast. And we wanted to say happy anniversary, you guys. Happy anniversary. We love you. They're actually at a bar across the street from our house right now, like by themselves. Like there's nobody else in there. It's a restaurant. It's, it's a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but it's like it's a, outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like there right now enjoying. So, no. yay! Cheers! You deserve it. Happy anniversary! Woo! So, on that note, <laughs> on that we'll note, celebrate love yeah. and uh, uh, bid you all a lovely weekend, week, whatever it may be. 
I'll be back uh, tired next week, probably. Yes. Yeah. So. So on the usual note, be safe. Be smart. Be sanitary. And cheers.